السلام عليكم وعليكم السلام كيف حالك؟ جود؟ جود انا اسمي سباتيكا سباتيكا How did you not get bitten by shark? I'm not bit by shark. He's saying that I bit the shark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eight years old and I'm here with my friend Liz. Hi. She's from New York and together we're discovering new old things in Dubai that have been around a lot longer than I have. In each episode, we time travel through Dubai to uncover what this city looked like in the past. And we track down the people who are connected to our place or topic to ask them questions. For this episode, we journey beyond the limits of Dubai. Tell me more. In this episode, we look at the tradition of pearl diving in Dubai and the larger Gulf region. Spatika, what made you want to do an episode on pearl diving? Well, because it's part of the UAE's heritage and contributed to the UAE's growth. And I read about it in this amazing book called An Amazing Nation. You knew much more about pearl diving than I did when we started researching for this episode. I knew it was a big part of the economy. But I didn't realize that language, songs, clothing, and travel were all part of the culture of diving for pearl. Many people got very rich off pearl diving, while others did hard and dangerous work for little or no pay. By the early 20th century, the Gulf region supplied up to 80% of the world's pearls. But then a lot happened in the world, including the Japanese invention of cultured pearls and the discovery of oil in the Middle East. This brought the pearl diving days to an end. Luckily for us, there are still people who hold the secrets and carry on the traditions of pearl diving. Listen as Salam al-Rum, a poet and former pearl diver, Hassan Hujeri, a composer, historian, and expert on pearl diving music, and Abdullah al-Swaidi a modern-day pearl diver committed to continuing the pearling tradition. Tell us more. We first talked to Mr. Salim Arum, a Dubai resident who worked as a pearl diver from the late 1950s to the early 1970s. We met him on the beach in Jumeirah, very, very early in the morning. He goes to the beach every day to make fish cages, something he does for fun. He was accompanied by his grandson Khalifa al-Rum and translator Salama Ahmed. How old were you when you first went to see? Alghos, عمري تقريبا لا ثناشر سنة. سبع سنوات قلنا. أول هيك سبع سنوات يلاس. هي يلاس ويطري يلاس. يلاس عم ثمان سبع ثمان. زين ويوم يوم ويوم أول ما قص ثناشر سنة. لا مو أربعة عشر. So at seven he goes and stays in the boat. He just opens the 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 thing that they bring from down the oysters. They open the oyster. He just sits on the boat, and whenever they bring the oysters, he starts opening it. So he'll see inside there's a pearl or not. Then if there is not, he just throw it. He was seven years old, يعني like your age right now. Eight. And they'll go to the to the diving thing and they'll stay there for four months and ten days. And uh, when he was 14, it was his first dive. He started diving with them. 
How did you prepare to die? واسط على عملتش يودونك تقول القوس حط الحصان في ريلك ماشي تجهيز من قبل لا 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 تحط على العصف في ريلك تحط فطام في خشمك وتهد تهد الحصان وتصير سقبك الحصان يقوى تشوف هناك الاسماك تشوف المحار تشوف يعني تقريب دقيقه دقيقه نص دقيقه تمر فوق You know the thing that they use for uh, putting the cloth outside, the wooden thing. They'll put this wooden thing on their nose, and they'll tie their legs with a rock, and they'll throw the rock, and they'll go down. But بطلعين واحدة. واحدة هي يوم تح تحمر هذه بنادع بطل هاي. آه. إيه. على عين واحدة وصول مو بعينين. So I was asking him when you dive, how do you see the things? He said that we use one eye. And when it starts hurting them, they'll change to the other eye. They start to go to the shadaid, masachin, well, the shadaid, well, dol, dol, yara, gatta'ak, tagatta'ak. So, how do you think about the danger of the danger? No, it's not a danger, because they are going to go to the shadaid. They don't want to go to the shadaid. No one is going to go to the shadaid. تحت شو تسوي تسلمت يلدغك ما يلدغك مو مسؤولين عنك. He's saying when they're underwater, even if there was jellyfish, they would stay down there. Even if they get stinked by it, they would still stay. Like they will finish their duty before going up. What? Even if the jellyfish stink? Yeah, even if the jellyfish was stinking. Jellyfish is nothing. Those guys were fighting with stingrays. You know the stingrays? They fight with stingrays. They fight with the sharks. What? Really? Mr. Salem told us that in his entire experience, only two of his friends had been bitten by sharks. That must have been scary. But luckily, he did say his friends made it out fine. Mr. Salem was a pearl diver for about 25 years. He said at the time that pearl diving was the only way to make a living besides catching fish. Later, Mr. Salem did go on to work in the oil field. Pearl diving was unbelievably difficult work. Can you imagine being out of sea for four whole months? No, I can't imagine it. And not just four months, but the hottest four months of the year. The pearl diving season was from mid-May to September. Also, don't forget that the divers had to dive 12 to 14 hours per day from sunrise to sunset. They carried out up to 50 dives a day and were expect expected to collect 20 oysters per dive. That's 1,000 oysters per day, so about 120,000 oysters per diver in the great diving season. Whew. Diving was definitely hard work on the body, too. Remember, Mr. Salem told us that the pearl diver's hands would get so sore from holding the ropes that they would feel numb, and that the divers would sometimes get rashes all over their bodies from being in the water all day. Definitely not for me. Can you even swim? Moving on. <laughs> You'll like this bit, Spatika. Because of your interest in music, did you know that pearl diving tradition has a library of poetry and songs? I was wondering what they did for entertainment. After all, there wasn't any Netflix or projector or fancy stuff to watch. These poems and music were not written down. Instead, they were passed down orally by hearing and memorizing it, and much was passed down from father to son. Some of the music is at least a few hundred years old, possibly older. We zoomed with Hassan Hojeri, a musician, composer, artist, historian, and pearl diving expert from Bahrain.
Why were pearl diving songs sang? So while they're working on the ship, they would have songs that they would sing for work, you know? So, for example, when they're rowing the oar, when they're raising the sail, when somebody, when they're all asleep and there's somebody who stays awake to make sure there are no pirates or there's no, there's no, you know, sudden accidents that happen. And also when the men would dive into the water, there would be a song so they can keep track of how long they've been underwater because they didn't use the air tanks, you know, they didn't have that a way to breathe underwater like we do now. So that's one type of song, music, that was sung for work on the ship. But there's another type of pearl diving music that was sung on land. So four months a year, we had them, these pearl divers, they lived on the ship and they worked on the ship. For the remaining eight months of the year, um, they were on land. And, um, but usually at, um, you know, at night, um, you know, after they're done work. So when they're not working on the ships, they become farmers, they become merchants, they, they do different kinds of jobs. Um, but at night, you know, just to relax a little bit, many of the men who live together on the, sh on the ship, they're good friends and they like to come together and they like to just sing songs together and remember their life at sea. And so there's a type of music that's basically pearl diving music, but it's not sung on the ship, it's sung on the land, you know, if that makes sense. So we have those two types of songs. Uh, let's play the kind of music they would play on the ship first. Okay. Is that okay? you hear can you tell how many people are singing is it many or is it i think it's many yeah i think you're right yeah and, uh, sounds like many like there's yeah. one person singing the main bit and... that's right that's absolutely right so so the way they would do it is there's one person usually sometimes two people they would take turns back and forth but usually it's one person uh, with a very strong voice and his voice is slightly higher and it's very rough you know it's very uh, it's a very strong voice it's not maybe musical in the sense of you know like if you're going to compare it to piano the pitch if you're going to think about the notes it's it's very different you know it doesn't work that way and, but then there's also so and there's also these other men the voice what were they doing can you describe that sound i don't actually know what they were doing that's 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 all right. You know, there's so there's one man, one person singing, and there's maybe 50, 30 to 50 people sometimes. And they're all singing this really low bass, like a drone sound. They sound like, you know, like this. And, yeah, trying to, and there was also some cuts that go up and then it'd stop, you know, like and it, it's like it's almost like going up on a wave and then it, the wave the wave drops. So they're almost you know emulating or trying to copy the sound of, of waves you know like what it's like on the on the on while you're on the back of the ship um, actually many types of music around the world they try to copy the sound of their environment and in this song the way they were 
trying to copy the sound of the waves, how the waves very gently move uh, in this part of the world, at least. Um, they're really trying to copy that, that feel. And um, so this is the kind of work song that, but there's also um, the song that they would sing for fun, you know, for entertainment. And um, so I'll play one section of, a, of one of those beats. you can only hear the sound you cannot see what's also happening so each of these rhythms also have a dance that goes with it so um, they all sit in a circle really close tight together and um, and they have one person the, the lead singer and then all these other men they're singing but then there's also maybe one or two people who stand up at some point and they would start doing a dance and the dance is there's a lot of spinning a lot of jumping um, and it's, it's, it's kind of fun. It's really interesting. Uh, sometimes I have friends who play this music and I go sit with them and I listen to them play. They could play this rhythm for hours, you know. Um, they, can, they can keep going for hours. And so it, it feels like it has no end, really, you know, it's, uh, if that makes sense. Have you heard them play the rhythm for hours? Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah, I do. How long? And, I think around three or four hours once what? we sat down. What? We <laughs> have the patience. <laughs> Spatka, I have a question for you. What 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 is a what does a composer mean? What what is who's a composer? Someone who correct. Someone who who writes the music or creates the music. You know, um, but in this music that we are, we heard today. The problem is we don't know who started it. We don't know who the composer is. And now some people think that not all music is composed by one person. Some types of music are composed by a group of people at the same time, you know, collectively. Um, a group of people would write one song together. And so some people think that this music was written by many people over many years. And so maybe what it sounds like now in this recording is not exactly the same as what it sounded like a few hundred years ago. But we think we think this music might be at least a few hundred years old. But it might be, possibly it might be older. It might have something from a few thousand years ago. But we don't know exactly because the language changed. You know, uh, people in the region didn't always speak Arabic. You know, there were older languages. And, um, and so the lyrics might have been in a different language. We don't know. My name is Abdullah Rashid Al Suedi, and I'm a pearl diver. Do you remember any of the pearl diving songs? There are many, and it's uh, it's all depends to what exactly the profession is. Do you know a few lines? I do, hmm. but I say it when I'm in an action, not say it because you're asking me. Yeah. yeah one day <laughs> when you go with us, we'll put the sail on and we'll depart onto the deep sea then we'll make songs because this is where we need songs. Here, you don't need songs. There, you need songs and entertainment. 
Mr. Swady at his pearl farm, Swady Pearls, located in the fishing village of Al Rams in Ras Al Khaimah, which is about an hour's drive from Dubai. This pearl farm is actually in the sea, so to get there, we took a gel boat, one of the traditional pearl diving boats that could carry about 30 or more sailors. I just wanted to hear, what, Spetika, what do you think about this boat ride? Well, it's really good. I mean, it's really cool. Like, in the sense that it's very spontaneous, of course. I mean, I was, I wanted to, I was thinking, look, let's just walk to the pearl farm. Let's hope it's nearby. And then suddenly we end up on this boat. I'm still wondering, how did we end up here? I'm not sure, but how would you describe what we're seeing now? Like, I, I think it's really nice because you have a blend of nature over there and civilization, kind of a bit old civilization over there, and some trees around and, well, water is a symbol of nature and you see the mountains so, with a bit of fog blurring them a bit, so, and the sky blending in, so, it's good. Do you hear anything? Yeah, I hear the noise of the water. I can point it. Uh, this might be a bit risky. Let's, let's. So we are in a historical spot, but as far as I know, my grandfather has told me all the stories of this place. It was known for a beautiful, catching beautiful pearls. He didn't say that. I confirm what he said. Beside what he told me, I confirmed by the Portuguese, the Arab travelers, the British, the Dutch, the Greek, the Roman, all has said long long time ago the best pearls comes from this part of the world i like the background over here it's more natural we're surrounded with the mangroves it's a natural trees of the sea then we get confirmed that it is a mangrove that was one of our questions why did you start suede pearls well suede pearls is a legacy of my grandfather and his ancestors and all who have been servant of the sea who've been diving and probably sometimes some of them has died, some of them has been injured, just to get these beautiful treasures of the sea to end up in the queen and king thrones, dresses, jewelry, and it's become popular in the past. In the UAE, there were nothing before. It was arid, hot, desert. There's no fruit, no vegetables, no animals. Wow. Only sea, an oyster in the bottom of the sea, so my grandfather and his ancestor, 4,000 years, they go for catching oysters with a nose clip putting in their nose and a stone to take them down and open thousands of oysters to just get as little as these sizes of pearls. So oh. this legacy cannot, for me, this is what I think, this is, legacy should not be forgotten and put in the drawers or it's not fair to put a beautiful boat like this inside the museum and to tell my children and my grandchildren and the generation to come that this is our history no our history belong to the sea this boat belong to the sea oysters still living on the bottom i breed them i grow them in millions just to prove that this legacy did not end what is pearl farming pearl farming is the opposite of natural pearl diving so Pearls naturally, randomly happen on the sea without the human intervention. Pearl farming is that we know how pearl forms, so we interfere by putting seeds inside the oyster to make pearls. 
So the difference is, you know, that's randomly happened. And this has happened because of human intervention. Do you kill the oyster when you extract the pearl? Uh, we don't say we kill. It's, uh, it, it will die definitely if you want to extract the pearls. But that's not uh, an issue because the oyster lives and die on the sea and its life span from four years to six years. What we do is we use everything about the oyster. So we don't throw anything away. Uh, we eat the meat, the remaining of the organs, we dry them and use them as a fertilizer for the organic uh, trees. Uh, the mother of the pearl, we use them and we cut them for jewelry and accessories and the pearl for jewelry. So we are a 360 degree environmentally responsible project where you see here, we are not using any electricity, it's all run by solar power. We have solar panels? Yes, we do have up here and the other side as well. So are you reviving the pearling industry by doing this? I do. Opinion? This is my vision, is to bring back the legacy because I don't believe that this is ended. It's not yet. I think it's ended because of the oil replacing the economy of the pearl, but even oil now is starting to decline and the future will depend on other resources. Pearl's one of them. Now, Swetika, what do you think the women were up to while the men were away at sea? Uh, waiting. Haha, <laughs> you wish. You bet. Seriously, the women had to take care of everything while the men were away at sea. They were responsible for running their homes, supporting their communities, and their families. Now, what did you learn from our interviews? I found it fascinating that most pearl songs were composed and sung by many people. Yeah, I, I agree. And also that the songs could be performed for hours and hours on end. What else? I found it a health hazard that divers closed one eye and opened the other to see, and when their eye hurt, they switched. Yeah, remember, we also learned that diving sometimes resulted in blindness and also punctured eardrums. Anything else from the interviews? It was crazy that the pearl divers could stay underwater for up to three minutes. Could you do that? Of course, with goggles and a nose clip. I mean, they didn't have goggles, but with goggles, and if I was holding my nose like this, maybe yes. I'm not so sure about that. But what I am sure about is that you can find details about the pearl diving music Hassan shared with us and information on how to get to Swedi Pearl Farm on our show notes. We've also just launched an Instagram account, tellmemore.dubai, where you can find photos of some of the places we've visited and the people we've met. This episode of Tell Me More was brought to you by Amea Media. It was produced and edited by Liz McEnany and hosted by me, Spatika and Liz. Our fantastic music is composed by Daniel Belka. A big thank you to Salim Arum, Hassan Hujeri and Abdullah al Suwaidi for giving us time and to Salama Ahmed and Khalifa Al-Rum for helping with translation. They're very important people, and we're grateful to them. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our show. You can email us at tellmemore at amea.media. That's tellmemore at a-m-a-e-y-a dot media. Or leave us a review and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And do subscribe to Tell Me More from Amea Media for future episodes. Until next time, stay safe. Bye. Bye.